So hi everyone and welcome to another episode of A to EZ. Today we're going to be talking about dementia, so what dementia is, the main causes and the key details that are especially useful to know in surgery. But before we get started, let me welcome Harry. Hi Dr Barker, how are you? <laughs> I'm, um, I'm, I'm well, thank you Dr Kingsley-Smith. Congratulations, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so when we sound like an idiot and don't know the answers here, just, you know, it's bad now. Anyway. Uh... It really is. Let's not change the, like, you know, podcast description or anything. I don't think we're ready for that yet. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, dementia. Sounds like there's a lot to know, I think. Yeah, I mean, I can't deny that there is. It's, it's one of those topics that you can, like, dig into and get in a bit of a rabbit hole with. But we're going to break it down a little bit. We'll first define exactly what dementia is. Spoilers, it's an umbrella term, covers lots of different conditions, but we're going to break it down. Then the four causes that are really important for you guys to recognise at a third year level are dementia with Lewy bodies, Alzheimer's disease, frontotemporal dementia and vascular dementia. I would say to spend a little bit more time revising um, dementia with lower bodies because, as we discussed later, has a little bit of an overlap with Parkinson's disease, which is another condition that's completely separate on Sophia that you need to know all about. Okay, so four main types of dementia, Lewy bodies, dementia, Alzheimer's, frontotemporal and vascular. Excellent. Although, Harry, I'm going to pick you up on some terms here. Yeah, I can tell already. Yeah, so it's dementia with Lewy bodies. And we're going to okay. go into why it's dementia okay. with Lewy bodies and not Lewy body dementia in a little bit, okay? Oh, goody, here we go. <laughs> I promise it's all really interesting. I promise. I did a BSc in this. I actually like it. It's, it's really, really interesting, okay? Plus, the benefit of most of neuro is that you don't need to know the management for any of these conditions in third year. So we'll maybe briefly touch on it on our chat today, depending on how enthusiastic you're feeling, Dr. Kingsley-Smith. But don't worry about learning specifics for now, especially not for third year exams. So... Let's get started. Harry, how would you define dementia? Easy to start off with. Oh, uh, people remember things less well than they normally do for their given <laughs> I thought you were just describing yourself. Okay, people remembering things less. That's a good start. If we're going to use more technical language, we could say it's cognitive decline. We could say that it's progressive. We could say that it's insidious. And we could say that it's not associated with a change in consciousness. And this is really important because this differentiates it from a different condition called delirium, which you learn a lot more about in year five. The cognitive decline in dementia will be significant. It will impact the patient's quality of life and impair their ability to carry out normal daily activities. So it's different from simply forgetting someone's name once, forgetting where you put your keys. This kind of dementia, this cognitive decline, it has really long lasting effects. And as we've already discussed, Dementia can have a huge number of causes, so some are neurodegenerative diseases, such as Alzheimer's disease. However, dementia can also be caused by metabolic imbalances, vitamin deficiencies, you get a gold star if you name the right one, um, um, excessive alcohol use can lead to dementia, loads and loads of different things. Okay, so dementia is sort of this umbrella term, and it's separate from an acute delirium, which is an acute problem, uh, which is a whole other set of differentials. This is a progressive, insidious cognitive decline. Yeah, great. And with delirium, you usually get a change in consciousness as well. Okay. Can we say that dementia has any like unifying epidemiology or investigations, or is is that just dependent on the cause specifically? I mean, yeah, that's that's a tricky question. I think you could say that one unifying risk factor is age. Even when we think about the metabolic imbalances, vitamin deficiencies, they're chronic conditions and they take time to develop into dementia. So it's very, very rare to see a young patient with symptoms of dementia. So age, I say, would be your main unifying risk factor. And in terms of investigations, there are a couple of things that you should do for every single patient that you suspect has any kind of dementia. 
the first investigation would usually be some kind of questionnaire which you could use to objectively score the patient's cognitive decline. So if you're on the wards, you might see something called the abbreviated mental state examination being used. This gives a maximum score of 10 points where eight or below signifies some kind of cognitive impairment. It's not very specific, but it is sensitive and that's why it's a screening tool. And just a reminder to everyone, you you might want to know the AMTS off by heart for 30 OSCEs as it came up in ours. And everyone was very happy about that. Whenever you ask about our OSCE, that's the one thing people mention. <laughs> and they're Sam's begrudgement. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Uh, yeah, and, you know, I wouldn't put it past them to sort of do it again for you guys just to see if there was a difference between your year and our year. So, yeah, definitely learn your AMTS. We're actually going to put a link to it, guys, in your episode notes so you can have a quick refresher now if you need to. If you know the 10 points off by heart already, then you're doing really well. Awesome. Another questionnaire that you might see being used is a mini mental state examination. So this gives a score out of 30, it takes a bit longer to do, but it has a way better validity and it can give you sort of a grading. It's not just like a cutoff of eight or below. So for example, sort of 25 to 30 points, that's completely normal. 21 to 24, we would say was mild dementia, 10 to 20 moderate and nine or less is severe. So you see a lot more useful. You can sort of actually track how someone's cognitive decline is progressing over time. So a bit more useful. So on the wards, AMTS is good for a quick rule of thumb, a quick assessment. But if you want to try and grade and track someone's progression over time, a a mini mental state exam is pretty good and has a better validity overall. Any other investigations we can sort of do for dementia in general? Well, we do want to rule out those more organic causes that we mentioned. So a set of bloods is always needed. So this would include your FPC, usenes, clotting, thyroid function tests, calcium, HbA1c, serum glucose as well for good measure, serum B12, any of these having an imbalance will, could cause a confused dementia type picture. And as we've mentioned, chronic deficiencies in some of these can result in actual dementia. So they're very important to do. And again, if anyone comes into A&E with confusion with a dementia type picture, this should be on your list. In addition to your bloods, again, depending on the presentation, it's really hard to say generally, but you might consider something like a urine drug screen and you might consider brain imaging, especially if it's an acute change and you're thinking stroke or if they've got signs of raising intracranial pressure, so a space-occupying lesion is suddenly a reasonable differential. Okay, so you can consider doing a whole host of blood tests, which you know range from B12, serum glucose, HbA1c, and these are giving things that could give a dementia-type picture. And you also might consider doing some urine drug screen or brain imaging, considering stroke or space-occupying lesion. What about these specific causes? However, what were they again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so now I was going to say forget all of that. Don't forget all of that. That's important background stuff about dementia. But yeah, your four causes that you need to be able to differentiate between in SBAs are dementia with low bodies, Alzheimer's disease, frontotemporal dementia, and vascular dementia. As I said, many other causes out there, but focus on these ones as baseline knowledge for third year. Let's start with dementia with low bodies. What can you remember about this, Harry? What can you remember about this condition? We have been taught about it. There is a buzzword, alpha synuclein. There you go. I'm done. <laughs> well done. Congratulations. Distinction star. Woo-hoo. Okay, cool. Yes, exactly. Dementia with low bodies is a dementia that is caused by clumps of... How do you say it, Harry? Because I feel like we're going to pronounce Alpha synuclein. Alpha synuclein. You can say it either, I think. I think I it's alpha synuclein. Yeah, okay. Okay, we'll go with that. Fine. Yeah, alpha synuclein in the brain. These clumps can present all the way throughout the brain, but the clinical symptoms correlate mostly with clumps in the frontal lobe for dementia with lower bodies. 
Usually, alpha-synuclein is a good thing, so it's produced in the presynaptic terminals of neurons, and the general consensus in neuroliterature is that it has a good function in neurotransmitter release and recycling. However, in dementia with Lewy bodies, we call it that because the alpha-synuclein has aggregated together in an insoluble clump, this is called the Lewy body, and it causes neuronal death. So alpha-synuclein good, Lewy bodies bad. Okay, so let's just let's just make this more complicated. I thought Lewy bodies were the thing you've got in Parkinson's disease. <laughs> yeah, okay, we're back to the terminology. So get ready, guys. This is a very important minute with some very important definitions. Parkinson's disease is a neurodegenerative disease caused by loss of dopaminergic neurons in the substantia nigra, and the neuron loss is caused by Lewy bodies, insoluble clumps of alcyonuclein. If you look this up on the internet, you can see that in terms of the gross histology, like the substantia nigra in the brain, it usually has this sort of black line either side of the midbrain. And this is because one of the side products of your dopamine production is neuromelanin. In a Parkinson's disease patient though, what's really interesting is that you lose that pigmentation completely, showing loss of these dopaminergic neurons. That's for the neurochem beans out there. It's really interesting. I might put a link in the episode description just for you, okay? The result of this is that you get disruption of your nigrostriatal pathway, and this means that Parkinson's disease presents with motor symptoms, primarily, and then many, many years later, cognitive decline. However, another cool fact, just for the keen beans, you can actually lose up to 30% of these neurons before you get any symptoms, and that's why there's so much research at the moment in how to diagnose Parkinson's disease earlier, because at the moment we're just waiting for symptoms to happen, but actually the disease process has started years and years before that. Anyway, that's Parkinson's disease. So you're right, Harry, Lewy body is definitely involved. However, as we said, in dementia with Lewy bodies, alpha-synuclein clumps, same pathology, are found mainly in the frontal lobe. So the nigrostriatal pathway, much less involved. That means the main symptoms of a patient's first presentation are cognitive and not motor. In terms of exam questions and in terms of diagnosing patients when we're much, much higher up in a hierarchy, we describe the patient as having dementia with Lewy bodies if the dementia symptoms presented within one year of the motor symptoms. This can be a year before, but also a year after. Does that make sense? I think, but I just want to, we mentioned this whole dementia of Lewy bodies. Is that not the same as Lewy body dementia or, or what's, what's going on? <laughs> okay, yeah, so one last term to remember. We've said that Parkinson's disease, you get motor symptoms, disruption and nigrostriatal pathway from your Lewy bodies. We said that dementia with Lewy bodies is also Lewy bodies, but it means that your frontal lobe is being disrupted, hence the dementia. If you get dementia with one year of the motor symptoms, dementia with Lewy bodies, if not, it's Parkinson's. Lewy body dementia, LBD, it's just the catch-all term for dementias that involve Lewy body pathology. So it can be used as a descriptive term, but not diagnostic descriptive, in both dementia with Lewy bodies and in the later cognitive decline we see in Parkinson's disease. Summarise, oh, okay. Harry, go. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, okay, wait, wait. So um, Lewy body dementia can basically be end-stage Parkinson's or it can be dementia with Lewy bodies. However, yeah. the, Parkinson's disease with cognitive decline and dementia with Lewy bodies are diagnostic descriptive terms which are basically better and we should be using those okay yeah and the di- and they have similar pathologies using alpha-synuclein but the difference that you need to remember is the difference in location parkinson's is in the substantia nigra and dementia with lewy bodies is mainly in the frontal lobes excellent smashed it you got it okay great so guys that is i swear the hardest bit of this whole podcast if you've made it this far congratulations there are no more confusing terminology i, I don't think so let's power through 
let's think about signs and symptoms. Oh, no, wait. Wait, are we not? No, no, no. No, 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 yeah, no. no, 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 no <laughs> not so fast. I have one simple question. <laughs> <laughs> what causes the alpha-synuclein clumping? Oh, that that's above my pay grade, Harry. Like, there's not actually a consensus on that yet. As you say, alpha-synuclein, presynaptic terminals, good. Lewy bodies, bad. We don't know why they clump. We don't know why they do that. As with all dementias, we see that incidence increases with age. And we do know that it's more common in males, which is interesting. It's also more common, um, this is dementia with low bodies, in people who live in rural areas. And there's a research link with pesticides. So, yeah. Okay, okay. Let, let's put the definitions aside and let's move on to the, the bit we need in OSCE. The signs and symptoms that we should be looking for for a patient with suspected Lewy body pathology. Nice, yes. So in terms of cognitive symptoms, uh, dementia will have features of amnesia, visual spatial dysfunction, and hallucinations, interestingly, um, often little people or animals. In paces, for example, a sort of classic case would be an elderly person who says they're keeping kittens or they're seeing puppies roaming about the house. Another thing to be on the lookout for is one of the earliest signs of dementia with low bodies is often sleep disruption, known as REM sleep disorder, where patients act out their dreams without meaning to. So the patient may come into clinic with their spouse and their spouse might say, oh yeah, we've noticed all of this, but actually if you ask about their sleep a year ago, she might say, yeah, he was kind of moving around a lot, kept shouting in the middle of the night, that kind of thing. In terms of motor symptoms, so now we're thinking more about the sort of Parkinson's disease presentation, the classic triad is your pill rolling tremor, bradykinesia and rigidity. If you can memorise those three terms now, you have passed definitely OSCEs and possibly PACES as well. The tremor is worse at rest, which helps you differentiate it from a benign essential tremor, which is worse during action. On examination, you would describe the rigidity as lead pipe rigidity, where the increased tone is maintained throughout the movement. And this feels very different to what we would call clasp knife rigidity, which is seen in straight patients, where it's really hard to um, explain in words, but essentially you get a sudden give if you move it in the right direction. In uh, Lewy body pathology and thinking about most symptoms, you can also get something called cogwheeling, which is something that you would feel as the examiner on passive movement of the limbs, a sort of jerking sensation when you move the joint. Always remember though, if you've got cognitive symptoms within a year of the motor symptoms, it's dementia with Lewy bodies as opposed to Parkinson's. So it's that association between the cognitive symptoms and any motor symptoms that are happening that show it's dementia with Lewy bodies. Okay, but the, your classic motor symptoms are the same as Parkinson's, they're pill rolling, tremor, bradycarnesia and rigidity, but the bit that's going to differentiate it for you, make you clearer, is this sleep disruption that they get and they might see hallucinations with little people or animals and they have, um, again might have features of amnesia. Yeah, great. And are there any specific tests we should do? Okay, so remember you've got your questionnaire to start with, you've got your blood tests, any suspicion of the stroke, space got fine lesion, consider brain imaging. With specific causes of dementia and most neurodegenerative diseases, histology on autopsy is the only definitive way we have at the moment to diagnose dementia with Lewy bodies. In practice, you diagnose clinically and in some trusts, it's considered that dopamine replacement therapy is a diagnostic investigation, especially if the patient has motor symptoms at presentation. Okay, so we actually diagnose it posthumously, which is a weird thing to say in, in the <laughs> yeah. profession. Um, but, and that's, that's dementia of Lewy bodies. What's next? Okay, guys, we've done the hardest one. Most content. We're going to uh, really speed through the next ones, okay? Let's talk about Alzheimer's disease. So... 
Although this isn't a separate condition on its set by itself, insofia is a most common cause of dementia. So really, really important to know about. What can you remember about this one, Harry? Uh, buzzword, beta amyloid, deposition, move on. Yes, nice. Just remember that. We can move on. For the keen beans for the next 15 seconds. So this is the pathology that characterizes Alzheimer's disease. It's extra neuronal beta amyloid plaques and intraneuronal neurofibrillary tangles of tau protein. Again, similar to alpha-synuclein, these proteins in themselves are usually good in the brain and the jury's still out as to what triggers them to malfunction. Actually, it's quite interesting, there's some suggestion that the beta amyloid deposition outside the neurons is like a protective mechanism, so protein malfunctions inside the neurons and then they shove it outside to kind of get rid of it, it's like a dumping thing, but regardless, end result is neuronal death, specifically of cholinergic neurons this time. Okay, so we're not dealing with dopamine anymore, we're talking about cholinergic neurons. Yeah. Um, but we don't know why it really happens and we've got these things called tau protein tangles and beta amyloid deposition. Are there any risk factors we can be on the lookout for? Once again, age, Alzheimer's disease is actually thought to affect 1 in 14 people over the age of 65 and then 1 in 6 over the age of 80, so definitely age. Other risk factors um, include the female sexist time, although that could just be because females tend to live a bit longer. Vascular risk factors can contribute to Alzheimer's disease risk and previous brain trauma. According to autopsy studies, actually around 30% of previous head injury patients had amyloid beta plaques at their time of death, no matter what the cause. Okay, so um, once again, age, um, maybe female sex and association with brain trauma, which I guess is quite contentious given the whole looking at um, sports at the moment, but I'm sure we won't want to go into that. Yeah. Any um... specific (laughs) signs and symptoms for Alzheimer's? So the pattern of dementia is quite specific in Alzheimer's disease. It can be summed up using the five A's. Get ready for these. These are a bit of a mouthful. Amnesia, anomia, apraxia, agnosia and aphasia. Um, Amnesia, loss of memory, easy peasy. Anomia, inability to name objects, also quite logical there. Apraxia is like a loss of dexterity, so patients may struggle to dress themselves, may struggle to coordinate um, washing up, that kind of thing. Agnosia is the inability to recognise things, including people, so it's more than not being able to name them. If you gave somebody a hairbrush, they would still be able to use it in anomia, but agnosia, they have no idea what it is. They might use it to try and, um, I don't know, drive the car. Um, aphasia is a loss of speech and inability to talk so thinking about all of those different aspects of someone with Alzheimer's disease you can imagine it has an absolutely huge impact on the patient's ability to care for themselves and for others even in the really early stages okay Alzheimer's disease helpfully begins with an A and it's five A's as the main features of it amnesia anomia apraxia agnosia and aphasia and that's really it to it um Are there any specific ways we can diagnose Alzheimer's? Um, So once again, just to recap, AMTS um, is your sort of number one. You'd move on to your blood test, potentially some brain imaging. But again, histology at autopsy is the only definitive way. However, different to uh, Lewy body pathology, an MRI is recommended in the workup of Alzheimer's disease, like in general practice. On this MRI, you would expect to see atrophy of the temporal lobes and the hippocampus and potentially some global atrophy with widening the gaps between the sulci in late disease. So once again, only can really diagnose it autopsy, but you, even in general practice, you'd want to do an MRI here and you're looking for atrophy and it's all different to Lewy body dementia where you might also get motor features. You mentioned two other causes of dementia that we should know about, yeah? Yeah, so frontotemporal dementia and vascular dementia. So these come up less commonly exams, but obviously still very, very important to recognise. 
Starting with frontotemporal dementia, sort of colloquially known as PICS disease, it is, as suggested, a neurodegenerative disease that primarily affects the frontal lobes and then the temporal lobes at a later stage. It's a tauopathy, so again, dysfunction of the same protein we see in Alzheimer's disease, or one of them. But actually, there's quite an interesting genetic link with this one in that one in ten cases are familial. The key things to know, especially for exams, are that it presents at a younger age than most dementia. So patients will be in their sort of 40s and 50s when they start showing the personality change, etc. This because the frontal lobe is affected, so the sort of symptoms pattern that you'd see in frontotemporal dementia is yeah, a personality change, sort of disinhibited behaviour, and quite strangely, like overeating with a preference for sweet foods. Again, the really classic SVA would be sort of a middle-aged man, um, he started using coarse language at work, he suddenly eats loads of sweets and seems quite disinterested in his family, things like that. So uh, from our point of view as students, it's quite helpful because it is a very different picture presentation compared to dementia with Lewy bodies and Alzheimer's disease, yeah. Meanwhile, vascular dementia is a dementia caused by atherosclerosis of the cerebral blood supply. It is actually, um, out in the world, the second most common cause of dementia after Alzheimer's disease. Because the underlying pathology is vascular, the risk factors are ones that we learn a lot about in cardio, so smoking, obesity, inactivity, excessive alcohol use, and so on. The way we recognise vascular dementia in the patient's history is by identifying a stepwise decline. Small blood vessels tend to block off suddenly, so the patient will lose a certain cognitive function almost overnight, it will be stepwise. Again, when we think about what we've learned so far, this is actually really quite different to the insidious progression of Alzheimer's disease, in which the patients find it really hard to pinpoint when things started to deteriorate in the first place. Okay, so that's those two in a nutshell. So in frontotemporal dementia, also known as PICS disease, there is possibly a genetic component. It mainly affects the frontal lobes, and it's got this quite distinct, almost SBA-type picture where you have it in a younger patient who is being a bit more inappropriate, disinhibited behaviour, eating sweet foods, the classic things like yelling at people in their family and taking off their clothes in odd ways. Meanwhile, vascular dementia, they are a vascular path, is the term you want to use being fancy, and that means they have every risk factor under the sun for vascular disease. They have heart problems as well, and this has that more classic decline you mentioned, that stepwise decline, where it's not this trickling down a hill, it's like boom, gone, boom, gone, boom, gone, and it's, and it's um, much more noticeable and distinct, and that will help you differentiate it on history. Yeah, exactly. And probably the last thing to just mention about that is with vascular dementia, because as you say, they've got all these other risk factors going on, you probably want to do a full cardio workup with them as part of your investigations. But, yeah, treat the patient, right? Whole, yeah. Whole patient. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but well done, guys. We've actually made it through the whole of dementia and it wasn't too bad. Was it, Harry? Wasn't too bad. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks very much for listening, guys. Hello, this is Yvonne with your summary on dementia. Dementia is an umbrella term for significant cognitive decline that is insidious, progressive, and not associated with a change in consciousness. Causes include dementia with Lewy bodies, Alzheimer's disease, vascular dementia, and frontotemporal dementia. In dementia with Lewy bodies, the pathology is alpha-synuclein clumps in the frontal lobe, and the patient may present with hallucinations, sleep disorder, and motor symptoms of Parkinson's. Cognitive symptoms that present within one year of motor symptoms classified as dementia with Lewy bodies as opposed to Parkinson's. In Alzheimer's disease, 
the pathology is beta amyloid plaques and neurofibrillary tangles. And the patient may present with amnesia, apraxia, anomia, agnosia, and aphasia. Vascular dementia causes a stepwise decline in function, and patients with frontotemporal dementia tend to be younger and present with disinhibition and personality change. In all causes, investigations should start with a scoring system such as the AMTS or MMSC and should include blood tests to check for reversible and metabolic causes. Brain imaging should always be considered to rule out stroke and or a space occupying lesion, but is only specifically recommended in the workup of suspected Alzheimer's disease. In this case, an MRI is the most appropriate choice.